0: Welcome back to Fifteen Minute Film Fanatics. I'm Mike, and I'm Dan. This week's pick is Mission Impossible, directed by Brian De Palma and written by Robert Town. Dan, were you old enough to have watched the series Mission Impossible?
1: I was not old. Well, it was on when I was a kid, but I never really followed it that much. My father used to watch it, but I've seen I've seen it on DVD and I've seen my reruns.
0: The original movie has so much beautiful nostalgia for me because a. This was uh, after after it came out and it started to be syndicated. This was like the Channel Eleven afternoon yes. movie, uh, so many times. And it is such a delicious '90s movie in so many ways that you you almost don't recognize how modern certain tropes are now until you see a '90s movie start. Um, just everything from the music uh, by Danny Elfman, you know, the re-recording of the original soundtrack to even the way that the credits are done uh, to the way that the showing clips open, from the
1: movie you're about to see.
0: It's I, I just, everything about it is is so 90s. And I, I could have done this one from memory, but I'm so glad that I didn't because I had so much fun watching this movie. Um, for those of you out there who are watching like the new slick Mission Impossibles, this is not the new slick Mission Impossible. Uh, I think that there's a continuity through the series but this one uh, is owned, I think it was done in nineteen ninety six yes, and it's got nineteen ninety six written all over it.
1: it does i I love this movie. this was another one of my picks but let me let me tell you about this movie. There is a joke in my house about ten or twelve years ago. I happen to mention off you know this is how family jokes happen. I happen to mention offhandedly, I don't know what we're talking about. I happen to say, well, I think Tom Cruise is a really good actor, and uh, I've never seen a movie with Tom Cruise in it where Tom Cruise was bad. Now, granted, I've still never seen cocktail. I've never seen Days of Thunder. I've never seen Far and Away. Um, so I just happen to say this and I go, I think he's great in Rain Man. I think Dustin Hoffman got all the press, but Tom Cruise is, he's the one that has to change in that movie. Dustin Hoffman has to do the same thing for the whole movie. He's great, but I think Tom Cruise carries that movie. Um, I think he's terrific in War of the Worlds, Spielberg's, which I think is a great movie. Um, you did a few good men. He's good in that. We both think he's great in Magnolia. We both think that's he's great true. in Magnolia. Yeah, that's uh, th- true. Th- th- um, one of the greatest directors of the 20th century One of the greatest directors of the 20th century who's universally fawned over decided he wanted Tom Cruise in every minute of his final movie.
0: Quick note, if you want my honest opinion on Tom Cruise, I don't think he's actually acting in Magnolia, but that's a that's a side note. I just think he's playing Tom Cruise, but yeah. but back to your thing about how magnetic he is on screen.
1: It's like Sterling Hayden where he, like he had no idea he was in a movie. yeah, I, I i'll I'll give you that Tom Cruise actually does walk around making those speeches all day like he does in Magnolia one hundred percent. but, um, you know, I think he's great, even you know, like I said about you know, an eyes wide shut. I think that he I think he's great in um I think he's great in collateral. The Michael Mann movie. So I, I, I think he, I think he's got real screen presence. Um, I love the Mission Impossible movies. I except the second one. The second one's no good. I think they're all terrific. They get more slick as they go on. Um, but I think Tom Cruise is great in them. I don't care what anyone says. I, I've read Going Clear, the Scientology book. I'm I'm convinced he's he's on another sphere of existence. But I think he's charismatic. He's solid. He reads his lines really well.
0: Your smile as you say the words. He reads his lines really well. Lead me to believe that we should just move on. (laughs) He reads his lines really well. He
1: does. You know what I mean? Like when you have a line reading, you know exactly what I mean. You know what that phrase means, a line reading. Uh Uh-huh. Welcome back. So part two, we like to talk about our favorite moments, our representative moments. I'm almost done rhapsodizing about Tom Cruise. Mike is still giggling that I said he reads his lines well. And I'm trying to say, we all know what a line reading is. I think he was born to play Ethan. What was your moment from this film?
0: Okay. The most of this movie is just really, really good American filmmaking where the plot is just propulsive. It just launches like a rocket and it never stops. The one time where you actually need to calculate is really the only bit of, I would say, classically good filmmaking in this movie, uh, other than how uh, brilliantly watchable it is, which is where uh, Ethan is sitting in the diner uh, with John Voight. And he's leading John Voight as though he's as though he's buying the story, but he's piecing everything together in his mind. And so you're getting flashes between what he's saying at the diner, uh, and and you know him him piecing things together, uh, which is also uh, leads to a moment where you're you're not sure that he's going to dress up as John Voight, right? So there's the the next thing on the bullet train uh, is that there uh, there's a scene with the you know the reveal that he's known uh, right. all along. So I think there's a good mix between the audience being given just enough to follow this movie, but not, it's, it's not Tinker Taylor soldier spy, but it's not James Bond either. It's something in between. Yeah. And I think that they found a really nice balance between in, intricate plotting. I agree with you. Although um, one of the first action movies that I was allowed to see all the way through was mission impossible Two when it came out um, and, a, and a friend's parents it took me <laughs> to see it on the big, the big screen side. Um, I, but I agree with you that the, the series is really consistent, except for that second one, yeah. and that the series itself, it's, it's nicely encapsulated in this one, how it finds a nice balance between intricate plotting and watchability.
1: Yeah, I love what you said about how it's it's not Ticker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, where the, where the great action sequences involve stealing a manila folder. No, no, You know, it's not James Bond either. But it, you said it's American filmmaking. This is, I mean, he is the America James Bond. That's exactly what this is. It's it's Ethan is the America, James Bond. For for everything you want to say about Americans, like it, it, that's exactly what this is.
0: And after I mean, after watching this movie uh and the Wolverine, why would you ever have an action sequence that does not take place on a bullet train? That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, it's funny too, you mentioned the part where he's piecing together, you know, when John Voigt's telling him what happened and he's and, and he's piecing it together. The first time you see this, and even on subsequent times, I think it's interesting, is that it's hard to tell at first. Whose whose mind those images are in, like, are they in Ethan's mind as he's piecing it together or are they in Phelps's mind as he's lying? And and I don't even think it matters, but I just think it's a brilliant way because you don't know when Ethan figured it out. He says on the train he figured it out at some point.
0: Yeah, I, uh, the the plot and the directing by Brian De Palma are both kind of on autopilot most of the time. That is the only time where it becomes obvious yeah. that some that somebody is manipulating what's what's going on on screen. Most of the time, I think De Palma wants you to forget that he exists, except for that moment.
1: Yeah. And I think it's funny because in our episode on The Last Detail, you talked about how if you only saw Chinatown, what would you think about Robert Town? So it's kind of funny, like when, when people are like Robert Town wrote Mission Impossible. I'm like, yeah, he wrote Mission Impossible. Like that's a real Robert Townian moment there at the diner.
0: Although all three movies, Chinatown, The Last Detail, and The First Mission Impossible, you have to balance a lot of implied information, um, and so I will say that that's maybe that's maybe Robert Towns' trade trademark as a screenwriter.
1: And that's my moment. My moment was actually not the bullet train or the or when he gets lowered into Langley or something. My moment is I just thought it was a such a great moment is when he comes back and um, Phelps' girlfriend or his wife, I'm sorry, is, is sitting on the floor in the corner and she holds up her hand. And he kind of holds her hand, and then it fades out. So that's like the implication that, that he, he slept with her. And later, John Voight says, "Oh, and you've tasted the fruits of the." And I just think like it's such a it was such a, like a great moment to to not like not have him sweep her up in his arms. And you don't know was he like in the Maltese Falcon? Like were you doing that just because you know you wanted a taste of the, the fruits or something? It's that Robert Town has such good has such respect for the viewer's intelligence, but at the same time doesn't mock the viewer for wanting to see like a guy on top of the bullet train or a helicopter go through the tunnel you're allowed to have both in this movie.
0: Yeah. And I picked up on that early because I really like the way that the initial party scene works when, when everybody is working their angle, everybody, the viewer has heard it explained to them, but in a way where the, the character exposition is being done at the same time, which is really, which is really elegant, right? If you actually ask the screenwriter, what is that scene for? It's so that everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing or who the characters are. But it just so happens that you've gotten enough exposition to follow this really cool scene next about what everybody should be doing, right? Because they're not supposed to stop a crime from happening. They're supposed to film a crime from happening and then stop it, which is, again, is another layer of complexity, right? In Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, you wouldn't even know that anything was going on at all. (laughs) You'd figure out 400 uh, pages later or 400 minutes later uh, that a crime had been committed. And in James Bond, it would be to stop it. And again, this is a really nice balance where it's like, let it happen. I need evidence that it happened and then stop it, which is uh, more nuanced than I would expect even from from us as as a
1: nation of filmmakers. So welcome back in part three. We always talk about the ending. Do you have anything on the ending, Mike? Because I have something on the ending. Hit me. People are upset. I know people that were very upset that Jim Phelps turns out to be the bad guy in this film that the Robert Graves character turns out to be the guy that kind of gives in and says, you know, the Cold War's over, every, you know, how could they do that? Um, it didn't bother me at all. I think it's a great extension of the series, and it reminded me of how good – have you seen the Star Trek reboots? No. They're terrific. And the second Star Trek uh, – they made three reboots. The second one is called Into Darkness, and that is a um, – it's, it's, it's a photo negative. It's an inverse telling of The Wrath of Khan. And it's great. Better Cumberbatch come back is is a place con. It's really, really great. It's a lot of fun. It's a great, great reboot. And it reminded me of, of I just think that Jim Phelps being the bad guy is a perfect touch.
0: So my thing on the ending really is uh you can tell what kind of person someone is by asking them if they watch the end of Mission Impossible. And there's a there's a certain kind of person who will go, you can't fly a helicopter in a tunnel. And I I don't want to ever run I don't into meet anybody else like that ever again.
1: Yeah. And yes, it's, you
0: and- can. I don't care. You certainly can fly a helicopter in a tunnel and it doesn't matter if it's a tra- if it's attached to a high speed train it's totally possible thank you do- very
1: much. It doesn't matter at all. And of course the beauty of the Mission Impossible movies is that you know that Tom Cruise is is crazy enough that he does so many of his own stunts. He's had his ribs broken doing other ones. So even though you know we know we know about CGI and things like that there's still that element where you're kind of like oh, I wonder I wonder how far he jumped there. I wonder if he you know he actually was on the side of the Burj Khalifa in that, in, in that one film. So again again all roads lead to the greatness of Tom Cruise.
0: Is there a fan association that you'd like to plug, or someone else that you'd like to mention?
1: They told me I shouldn't. I shouldn't bring it up on the air. So, um, but you can. You know, th- there's a lot of social media sites for for the Divine Tom.
0: No, I, I agree. I think that I think that the charm of the Mission Impossible series has to do with the way that each film is aware of the previous films. I think one of the things that uh, James Bond has going for it is that they want a certain kind of continuity. There's a a British, a very British continuity in trying to make a film as elegant and as cool as Sean Connery. But what Mission Impossible is trying to do clearly is they sit down at every strategy meeting and they go, well, obviously we got to do some shit crazier than
1: that. <laughs> and that's <laughs> What's exactly crazier than a
0: helicopter in a tunnel.
1: Right. And as we've all seen on YouTube, we've all seen the, you've seen the thing where the clip where, where Tom Cruise is screaming at the crew about the COVID mask. percent. Like yeah. So that's of course, you know, again, when Mission Impossible seven comes out, we'll do that. We'll do that the Saturday morning after it's released.
0: That was my ringtone for
1: a month. Thanks for listening everybody. Follow us on Twitter at 15 film. Email us at 15minutefilm spelled out at gmail.com. Let us know what we should watch. See you next time. This podcast will self-destruct in 5 seconds.